We wish you welcome. Also, our listeners, we wish you welcome. And pray that the Lord Jesus himself will give you his peace today, no matter what happens today. That he is with you. Amen. We go to Matthew chapter 20, starting on verse 20. And we find there that the disciples' lack of enthusiasm, as it seemed that they were not wanting to understand and face facts of what was waiting the Lord in Jerusalem, which we read earlier, and we see what happened next, that the mother of James and John came to the Lord trying to get special treatment for her sons. That's what a mother's for you. And Mark records this incident too, but says that James and John came to the Lord to make the request, not the mother. In Mark 10, the verses 35 through 41, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come to him and saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. We want you to do for us whatsoever we ask. Master, we want you to grant us a special request. John F. Walford in Matthew, Thy Kingdom Come, a commentary on the first gospel, talks about the unwillingness of the disciples to face the reality of Christ's suffering and death, which is illustrated in which the mother of James and John came to Jesus seeking favor for her sons. So at the time of the Lord's announcement of his soon-to-come death, here the mother of James and John comes to the Lord to ask a favor from him. She seems, her name seems, seems to have been Salome. See in Mark 15 verse 40 where it says that there were women looking on afar off at the crucifixion, during the crucifixion. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, the lesson of Joseph, and Salome. And also, she's mentioned in Matthew 17, verse 56. And here again, we see Matthew 27, the verses 55 and 56. It says, many women followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, among which was the mother of Zebedee's children. And we established that that was the household where John and James were born. And there's a possibility that she was a sister to Mary, the mother of the Lord. So she was then the spokeswoman for her sons here, and like her sons, 
asking this question, she seemed to have been thinking that the kingdom of God was very close by, especially now the Lord was on his way to Jerusalem. And even though the Lord Jesus had told his disciples what was going to happen in Jerusalem, they didn't seem to have heard or understood much of what the Lord told them or what would take place in Jerusalem about the cross or even that he would rise on the third day. In Matthew 20, verse 19, we read about that, that he he had told them, they shall deliver him to the Gentiles, the Lord tells them, to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. On the third day he shall rise again. And Luke, in his gospel, chapter 18, verse 34, bluntly states, this from the NIV in the New International Version, The disciples didn't understand any of this. This meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. The literal translation is, as for them, none of these things did they connect together in their understanding or perception. The matter was hidden from them, And they were not coming to know the meaning of the thing said. And the requests of James and John's mother shows that how unreal it was to them what the Lord had told them. And it was as if they were unwilling to face the reality of the Lord's suffering and death which is shown here in these boys mother or young men's of men's mother to come to the Lord to seek special favors for her sons they could only see the coming rule of Jesus in Jerusalem as he had told them in Matthew 19 the verses 28 through 30 Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, remember, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the the twelve tribes of Israel. Obviously, James and John went home and told their mother all about what the Lord had told them about the twelve thrones and so forth. Sure. So let's go to Matthew 20, verse 20. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshipping him and desiring a certain thing of him or knelt in front of Jesus, another translation says, knelt in front of Jesus to ask him a favor. So did Salome come worshiping the Lord here because she was looking for a special favor for her sons from the Lord? Verse 21. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? What do you want? And her request was quick and to the point. Verse 21, 
she says unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on the right hand and the other on the left, in thy kingdom. Her ambition was much the same as that of the disciples when they asked the Lord, Who is the greatest in the kingdom? In Mark's gospel, the sons are in focus, and in Matthew, the mother. Notice that the Lord does not answer the mother, not really. And then, of course, the question of Peter comes up again, too, as we read in Matthew 19, verse 27, when he said, we left everything to follow you. What will we get out of it? And the parable the Lord had told the twelve about the workmen in the vineyard, remember? Obviously had made an impression, not much worth of any impression on them, or next to nothing. Peter had been heard to answer, what's in it for us, for me? And now here, the beloved disciple John, remember he's the beloved disciple, together with his brother James, he's acting the same way. And we can call it evil is found in him too. So here we see an ambitious mother, an ambition that is worldly rather than to the glory of God. Arno C. Gablin in the Gospel of Matthew writes, <clears throat> excuse me, self-seeking, the ambition of the flesh, is here again in evidence. There's no harshness about it, no crosswords, except in verse 22, and the Lord says, you don't know what you're asking. With loving words, how we can learn from that? He corrects her. There's no harshness about it. And of course, the seat on the right hand was the most honorable seat. We read in Psalm 110 verse 1, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And the left hand was important second to that. The Lord had taught about those who wanted to be the greatest, as we did in Matthew 18, the verses 1 through 6, where Jesus praises the simplicity of children. Who is really greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called the little child to his side and set him on his feet in the middle of them all. Believe me, he said, Unless you change your whole outlook and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. It is the man who can be as humble as this little child who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That is the translation from J.B. Phillips, New Testament. 
And this ambitious mother, he asked the Lord that her sons would be given the thrones next to Jesus. Gablin says. And true, the Lord had just talked about the thrones, that the twelve would sit on twelve thrones. We read in Matthew 19, verse 28, in the Living Bible. And Jesus replied, When I, the Messiah, shall sit upon my glorious throne in the kingdom, you, my disciples, shall certainly sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And sad to say, the twelve disciples understood this in the thought of a form of nationalistic ambition that was promoted and encouraged by the scribes and Pharisees with the result that they steered the people away from God's true intent and plan for Israel. Because the scribes and Pharisees taught that the mission of Messiah was to take over on Rome and establish Jewish reign and authority over the nations of the world and ignore the promise of deliverance from the bondage of sin. And here Stanley M. Horton in the Complete Biblical Library writes, they overlooked the promise of the world's redemption as held out by Isaiah and other prophets. They forgot that there could be no kingdom or restoration of Israel without a new covenant. And he quotes Jeremiah 31, the verses 31 and 32 from the New King James Version. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. And also Ezekiel 36, verses 24 through 27. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments, my judgments, and do them. And Horton continues, 
They twisted God's word, disregarded all but those parts which suited their own ideas and ambitions, and filled their imaginations with a picture of Messiah who was created for their own desires. The disciples, even after they had been traveling with the Lord and had heard his teachings for about three years, they still held on to some of these particular favorite ideas the rabbis had taught them. And might it also be that James and John were using the Lord or were they trying to use the Lord as a means to their own ambition? Mark 10 verse 35 shows that they wanted the Lord to give them right off whatever they asked. That is, they wanted the Lord to make make them a promise before they even had told him what they were going to ask for. We read it, verse 35. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And right here we see that they had not heard a word of what the Lord had told them on that hot and steep road leading on to Jerusalem from Jericho, that they had not felt any of the dread and dismay that was waiting the Lord. This was an uncaring, considerate request. We see, sorry to say, in spoiled adults who live a pampered life. And sure, the Lord had taken care of them all the way. And instead of being grateful, they came with a request for more. Verse 22, But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they say to him, We're able. How little did they know what they were saying. Of course the cup was to be drunk by the Lord Jesus and stands for the suffering that was waiting him. James and John knew nothing of the cup the Lord was about to drink, nothing of the suffering that was waiting him. It was their own selfishness and arrogance when they said, Yes, they thought they were able without knowing what the cup was all about. And Gablin writes, and I quote, and he tells them that they would indeed drink his cup. They were to be partakers of his sufferings and have fellowship with it. And that doesn't mean the sufferings our Lord had to undergo from the side of God is evident. He alone could suffer thus, and no human being could follow him there. They would drink his cup, though, which not only contained the suffering from God, but sufferings from men. 
rejection, reproach, and much else besides. In his rejection and sufferings, they had to enter in. And to this we are also called, he writes. First Peter, second chapter, verse 21 reads, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Paul also speaks of the sufferings of Christ. Philippians 3, verse 10, New American Bible. To know him and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his suffering by being conformed to his death. The Old Testament cup implies judgment and suffering. We read in Psalm 75, verse 8, For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup. Surely its dregs shall all the wicked of the earth drain and drink down. And then in Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 15, we see the judgment on the nations. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel to me, Take this wine cup of fury from my hand and cause all the nations to whom I send you to drink it. So the Lord says, as we read in verse 22, Matthew chapter 20, Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of, and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? The comparison of baptism the Lord uses is also a description of judgment and suffering, pointing to his suffering and crucifixion as he describes in the verses 17 through 19 on the hot road going on to Jerusalem from Jericho. Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the twelve disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify and the third day he will rise again are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. They say unto him, We are able. And we see here from the James and John's immediate answer that it was them 
and not so much their mother, who wanted to know about sitting on the right hand and the left of the Lord. They sure were preoccupied and absorbed with selfishness. Did they really understand what they were asking, what they were saying? When the Lord was arrested with the others, they ran away, deserting him. As we read in Matthew 26, verse 56, all the disciples forsook him and fled. And it sure were not the sons of Zebedee who were on either, either side of the Lord during his suffering and triumph on the cross. It were two criminals. Matthew 27, verse 38. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Yes, how little did they know what they were saying. And the Lord said, verse 23, And he saith unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. The Lord knew that they would suffer for the kingdom. James was the first of the twelve to suffer and die a martyr's death in the early ministry of the church. As we read in Acts 12, verse 2. King Herod had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And John, who lived the longest of all the disciples, was banned from home. And writes in Revelation 1, verse 9, I was on the island of Patmos, exiled there for preaching the word of God, and for telling what I knew about Jesus Christ. And although it is not sure, but John may also have died a martyr's death, as some of the other disciples did. Eusebius, on, in his ecclesiastical history, he writes, Assume the prerogative to award the two places of the highest honor in the kingdom. This was reserved for the Father. As we read in Matthew 24, verse 36, but no one knows the date and the hour when the end will be, not even the angels, no, not even God's Son, only the Father knows. And then the Lord answered them, verse 23, He saith unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with, but to sit on my right hand and on my left isn't mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. Well, wouldn't you know it, the other disciples overheard what was going on and they were pretty upset. 
They might have come to the conclusion that James and John influenced their mother to ask this from the Lord for them. Horton states, and I quote, their indignation at the two brothers was probably indicative of their own aspirations. Each in their own pride thought he deserved the best place just as much as James and John. Each one was just as self-centered, just as self-seeking. It appears they were indignant because they thought James and John were trying to beat them to the punch. He writes and quotes Matthew 18 verse 1, When the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And also W.A. Criswell, in expository notes on the Gospel of Matthew, he points out, and I quote, The fact that the other disciples were angered at James and John shows that they were in heart and spirit no better than the two brothers. They all wanted the first place. So let's go to verse 24 in chapter 20. And when they then, not, and when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. So now there was jealousy, which we so often see in the ranks of the people of God in our churches. Both James and John, as well as the other disciples, they all seemed far from giving up their attempt at gaining a place of power in the kingdom. And their scheming did not stop there. They even tried a hand at it later in the upper room at the Last Supper. How silly can we get? How weak and out of order are we as the human instruments God must use to accomplish his purposes? This all must have hurt the Lord. Here on the way to the cross, when he was preparing himself to pour out his life in self-giving sacrificial love, here among those who were closest to him, they showed him selfishness and jealousy and ambition for self. None of these traits were to be found in the Lord Jesus or are to be found in his holy heaven. Amen.